All right, welcome to episode three, Come Out Heavy podcast. I'm Devin Gassoff, sitting here with my co-host, Curtis Gassoff, and we are going to continue our Left Off the Highway. This is going to be part two. Kurt, how's it going? Pretty good, man, pretty good. Just uh, shoveling some snow, same old shit, man. Trying to chase mule deer, but ended up having to work for the last seven days in a row. So I kind of missed the uh, the prime rut, but I got a couple days left, I guess, and hopefully I run into something. How about you? What's going on? Yeah, weather's been nice in the south. <clears throat> it's been mild, no snow. Uh, still trying to plug away and, and get out goat hunting with my partner, so still trying to make that happen. Got a little bit of time left, but uh, it's... You know, season's coming to an end, <clears throat> but if we're probably not going to touch too much on uh, life and times right now. We want to get back to part two. Um, one thing I wanted to mention about last episode, I wanted to make a correction. If anyone was listening hard or paying attention, I had talked about my food prep and I had talked about calories per ounce. Um, I noticed that I had just mentioned the stats wrong. So the real stat that I wanted to correct was I was looking to hit 100, 100 calories per ounce or 28 grams of food. And last episode I said 28 calories per ounce. So I kind of had the numbers mixed around. So just to clarify that for anyone that was interested in that topic, that's 100 calories per ounce or 28 grams of food. So that's what I was really looking for when I did my food prep. Yeah, if you if you stuck to just candy, you wouldn't have to worry about counting all that shit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it made a difference, but that's what I was really looking at when I was researching. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to dive right back into where we finished off. We were setting up on our RAM that we had pinned down as as a legal ram by age. Kurt and I were really working the spotter, working <clears throat> Kurt's phone scope. Gave us time to dope the wind as best we could. It was blowing and swirling and it would only give us, <clears throat> you know, 30 seconds, 45 seconds pauses to maybe shoot in between. But we, we were just battling. Kurt was asking me for a dope. I was struggling with picking it up right and you know, we really wanted, I don't know, we probably sat for 10 minutes just really trying to dial that wind in, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it, it's tough when you're up in those valleys and drainages because the wind feels like it's blowing one way and then a minute later it's blowing the other direction. So it's really, really tough to to try to figure out what's going on, how strong it is. So kind of just wait for those pauses in the wind and Every time we'd get ready to shoot, <laughs> the uh, the ram would decide to walk a little bit or turn or whatnot. So it was a little bit there laying down in the prone with the bipod, just waiting for a good opportunity to take a good shot. Yeah, Kurt <clears throat> Kurt had good patience. I It was a fun experience to, to be his spotter. I was kind of, I don't know, six yards, seven yards behind him, just – we could talk loud enough that he could hear each other. We know that we were far enough away. We didn't think it was going to make too much of a, a nuisance on the Rams. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd let you kind of go over kind of what happened as, as you built up to your shot. And, and you know, I was giving you – what was it like giving you feedback like that? Like, how did that uh, – it was, it was good. You know, I – we brushed out a little nice area where I could lay down and get prone and set the bipod up. And, you know, we had all the time in the world. Those rams weren't going anywhere. They didn't know we were there. So we just really took our time, made sure all the branches were cut. There was nothing in the way. And, you know, we spent a lot of time aging them and just waiting for that perfect shot, right? You're, you're shooting across the valley. You just don't know one gust of wind the wrong direction right and it's a clean mess or even worse you could wound the animal and and you know have them take off so 
really did our due diligence and just sitting there and, and taking our time, not rushing anything. And uh, yeah, having you behind me, just kind of letting me know if I had to readjust and take my eye away from the scope. And if he started to move, you know, and we would just be talking back and forth if he's in the camera frame to record the shot and everything. So yeah, once, once we were kind of all dialed in and he was at bot and he was up feeding and he turned broadside and then he would turn and go up a little bit and then turn broadside the other way. And so once we were all settled, we kind of had a good idea which way the, the wind was going. Um, yeah, we just kind of said, yeah, you ready? Yeah. Okay. And touched off the trigger and down he went. So it's, uh, it was pretty good. It was, well, the first shot I took was a little bit far back and it dropped him in his tracks, but it kind of spined him. And then, you know, he kind of laid there and then I took a next shot and hit him center mass and kind of crumpled him up a little bit. And so we're sitting there watching him and I didn't want to put too many bullets into him. He wasn't going anywhere. I know both shots were, were going to be critical to him. So he was just going to, uh, you know, sit there and, and expire on the hillside. So we watched him for a while and he ended up getting up and, you know, crawling a little bit and eventually he ended up just tipping over and, and rolling down the, the, the rock side. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, hitting him back may have been your, your doper's fault. He might've, he might've doped it a little bit wrong. I mean, you didn't hit him too. I mean, you anchored him good, but, uh, I'll take the a little bit of the heat on that one. I, I doped the wind a little bit incorrectly for Kurt there. It was swirling back and forth and you know, heat of the moment. We tried our best and it still worked out really good. Luckily we got ourselves into a close enough range that the wind didn't play as much of a factor as it could at, you know, super long yardage. But yeah, it's uh we chuckle about it now. We definitely knew I, I made a bit of a mistake there for you, but you still made a hell of a shot um, watching him go down with that first one was awesome. And then didn't take you long to reload and follow up. That was, it was really cool to, to watch that in the spotting scope and be a part of that. I mean, I was super, I was just as pumped, I think, as you were. So that's the whole reason you get up there for is to get yourself an opportunity like that and make it count. So it was an awesome experience and, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world other than, you know, maybe shooting them a little farther up, but it got the job done. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters, right? Yeah. He's on the ground. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, after, after the ram went down, we kind of sat there and watched those other rams for a little bit. You know, there's a couple in there that were real close and, you know, they didn't break the nose, but kind of sat there and watched and count rings you know, we shot the biggest ram in the group and they didn't know what to do. They just stood there and, and kept staring at him and didn't know what he was doing on the hillside there. So, yeah, we sat there and, you know, they, they weren't legal. So we ended up just saying, screw it. We packed our shit up and kind of worked our way down that finger ridge that we mentioned last time that we ended up shooting off of. And we got on a bit of a goat trail coming down. It got pretty steep down into this gnarly little canyon soon as we get down to the bottom we notice that there's like a waterfall and it's just rock walls on either side we're like fuck how are we gonna get through this shit and then we ended up popping up and getting on another it must have been a sheep trail or i don't know what it was but found this little tiny trail that kind of detoured the waterfall and we dropped down into there and actually the creek was pretty manageable it was only 10 feet across but it was pretty neat there's like a I don't know if it was sulfur or what, but just the whole creek was that orangey white kind of color and you could see the mineral coming out of the rocks. It was, it was pretty neat to to see something like that. I wish we would have got some more pictures of that because I've never seen that before. It was pretty cool. Hey? Yeah, that was definitely like a something I won't forget. I agree. It was just a really neat. I really liked that. Like you said, the goat trail when we, Across that I don't know it was like 20 feet above the creek and it was just steep rock face mineral below slick it just felt like 
we left a different, like went into a different country, even like you just kind of, you went from a nice grassy willowy knoll to this weird mineral area. Yeah, it was really neat. Um, one thing we did do when we were sitting, watching the other Rams kind of gathering after our celebration, we used the, that fat maps app. <clears throat> we tried to pin on it where we both figured he was laying just in case it took us a while to get over there in the dark. It was only about four 30 when we took the shot. So we had lots of light, but uh, you didn't ever know the Creek crossing or, or any of that traverse. So we pinned it on that fat maps. And I think we pinned it within like 10 yards. So it, it we followed that pin up out of that Creek and helped us shorten the navigation of getting to him. I was, I think anyways, Oh yeah, we we had a pretty good ballpark where he was at, and it was steep. Like dropping down into that canyon and coming back up the other side, man, it was fucking. It was probably some of the steepest shit we were in the whole trip. So yeah, when we crossed the creek and started going up the other side, you you know, of course, down by the creek's not bad, but as soon as you start climbing, you start hitting that alder, and then you get into the rough shale rock slides, and you know, you're a little bit above me, Dev, and we're kind of just gridding out, kind of working our way up towards where we knew we knew where he went down. You could see the blood on the rocks. So kind of just trying to find that pinpoint from below, which is tough sometimes. And Yeah, I think you ended up spotting him. Uh, he was piled up underneath a big spruce tree. So Yeah, he luckily slid. Well, I mean, he could have slid a little bit farther down for us. That would have been okay. But uh, Yeah, he... <laughs> He probably fell from where he was standing to where we first found him. He was probably, I don't know, what do you think, 100 yards? Not even? Yeah. 80? 100's probably right, right around there. Yeah. And I, I, I walked up on him. I was, but I stayed, I stayed 10 feet, 10 feet back. I didn't, I didn't want to lay my hands or get too into it. I, I really wanted Kurt to be up there so we could, you know, be on our first Ram experience, successful hunt together. And I wanted him to lay his hands on that ram and, and lift them up and, and get that footage and just, you know, I didn't get it on camera, but I got the footage in my memory bank of you grabbing them and just the excitement, the nervousness, everything about what that night's going to happen now. Like, what are we doing? I, I just think it was a really cool experience. We laid them over right by that fir tree, got some, or spruce tree, I guess, alpine, and got some good good footage, good pictures right up on the shale, which was cool. And then we decided to slide them down into a little bit more manageable country down into the timber. We found a really nice little benchy spot clear and, you know, got some more pictures. You know, we take lots of try. Well, nowadays we take lots of, of pics together. We really try to dial in that just to, for the memories and, and to have, and, you know, it, it doesn't take much time to, to set up the camera and take some good photos. So, we ended up getting a couple together and, and those turned out really good. And I was happy about that, but yeah. Tell me about your, uh, your little phone tripod that you got. That yeah. This has been really handy. It's super lightweight. It's like a little tripod stand. It's got the full phone holder on it. It's about eight inches tall, but it only weighs like nothing. Like you can't even, I wouldn't even worry about weighing it. And it came with a, bluetooth trigger and it can link to a android or a iphone and this a lot of our photos from this trip where kurt and i are together in the pictures you if you've seen on instagram that's what we use you can hold this little button i think it's got like a 20 or 15 foot bluetooth distance and you can just click away take photos so instead of setting a timer and running we're we're able to you know just keep taking multiple pictures comfortably um and I've used it on that sheep hunt now. I've, I use it this year on our elk hunts. You know, it's been just, and I, you know, I got to thank mom for it. It was like a stocking stuffer. Yeah. You know, mama gas off there had her in the old stocking last year and it's been a winning product. I keep complimenting her on that. So she'll like the plug there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Yanny. Yeah. Yanny. <laughs> um, so, yeah. To, uh, we ended up rolling them down a little bit and got on a nice little kind of little shelf right next to another big tree and we started breaking them down caped them out first got the head off and well no we I guess we 
cut the quarters off as we were caping them out and deboned it, got the ribs off. I have uh, one of those Camilla's carnivore machete knives, and I ended up packing that with us on the hunt. And it's it was two pounds, but man, that thing fucking came in handy. Like it, it's like a little ninja sword, and it had a little saw on the back, and we used it for cutting trail. We used it for uh, well, I we used it for knocking the ribs off. Lots of times, like guiding moose, you'll I can buck a moose up with an axe in about twenty five minutes into four quarters, and I didn't want to take the little Fisker hatchet with me and just kind of dead weight. It's only good for a few things, so I opted on taking that knife or machete with me and. Man, it bucked those ribs off in like two seconds. We had two nice big racks of ribs. And then uh, after that, we deboned everything. Did we Did we keep the meat on one of the quarters? I can't remember. Uh, did we debone everything? Uh, I think this time we deboned. A lot of times we'll leave the meat on the hind leg. We like to leave some structure. But this time I think we just said we're, you know, we're far enough back and we have a big enough packs ready to get out i think we said any weight at this time's worth it so if i remember we deboned everything yeah we did i think so so yeah we i don't even know what time it was but it was starting you could tell that the sun was starting to head down so by the time we got the the sheep all processed and bagged up and packed up you know we we knew that we weren't going to make it back to our camp that night so we already kind of on the way down that ridge, we were already looking for a nice spot to camp. So, yeah, we got loaded up. We crossed that creek, went up and over that little waterfall detour. And it just so happened that there was kind of a Y in the creek where another one come in and it was nice and flat. So we just took that machete and kind of cleared out a nice little spot up against one of the banks. And that was going to be camp for the night. So... While I was sitting there caping the the face and head out, Devin was walking around collecting sticks and everything everything that we could to burn have a fire because, you know, it's in the mountains, you know, in the middle of August. Sometimes it's warm. Sometimes it can freeze at night. And, you know, it got pretty fucking cold that night. Yeah, no, I tried to gather. Well, and it's hard. Like, branches aren't going to burn for very long and and we knew we were going to need a little bit of heat there so we i tried to pull trees out of the ground little but all you got in that country like that is that you know i think why i call it that alpine alpine spruce type stuff super dense wood it doesn't crackle when you burn throws off decent heat but it's just it burns quick i find like it we go through it faster than you'd want you never get up to any big lumber because you're you know, doing everything by hand with this machete. And that machete, like Kurt was alluding to there when we were dressing the animal up, uh, that was one of those items that we consider worth its weight. So it, not everyone backpack hunts packs a heavy, heavier tool like that, but man, we'll be packing it. I mean, I was impressed. Remember I said like, where this thing, like, where'd you get it from? And it was like, well, it's like, I don't know, Canadian tire $35 or something. I think you said, and I was like, frick, this is, like good $35 spent. I've spent more money on shittier gear than that thing. So that really came in handy. And while Kurt was caping out and working his ram's head, I ended up coming across a slab of rock. It was one inch thick, probably 12 inches wide and about 30 inches long. And then I got up the idea to make a little camp stove and we stacked the rocks up on both sides and we were going to cook the, a sheep rack of ribs on there. Like that was going to be our meal for that night. I mean, that's a traditional thing to do with your first sheep or any sheep when you're in the back country. And we were more excited for this meal, like going into a hunt. Like if we were successful, we were talking about doing this. So we found this cooked plate and we have photos of it. We'll post it on Instagram. You got to check this out. This is like people are going to think we were cooking off a big cast iron skillet. I'll even post the one video, the the sheep fats bubbling and boiling. And I thought it was really cool. I didn't know Kurt had packed seasoning in his backpack. I packed seasoning in my backpack just because I kind of thought, well, if he didn't, he'll be excited that I packed it. But we both kind of did the same thing. We both had <clears throat> tins of seasoning. And, yeah, we cooked up those ribs. And 
and watched them there and then sliced them up. And man, was that a, was that a treat? That was my first wild sheep or sheep meat experience in, in general. And man, it's good. I mean, I, I got nothing bad to say ever about sheep meat so far. It's been, and for a ram of that age, like, oh, it's been delicious. Yeah, that's, I've had, I've tried it once, just, you know, like a little piece and I had a couple beers and buddy pulled it out and, you know, oh, that's good. But when you're up on the mountain and that, <laughs> like, I love deer ribs and that those sheep ribs just blew deer ribs out of the water. Like it was just sitting there crackling on that, uh, that piece of stone that Devin got. And I don't know how long we cooked them for, but probably slow cooked them for what half an hour i think I it was know. longer than that i think Maybe. it was like a good hour and then we chopped them up Probably, and then yeah. fried them a little bit more remember we crisped them up as we started eating them yeah which was oh man i was <laughs> i was so full <laughs> like by the time we went to bed well I, I never slept that night like i was a little nervous we had the meat hanging 50 yards away in a little fucking alder tree whatever it was and you know we had the the fire between us and the the sheep meat we're kind of backed up against the some cliffs just just a precaution we're in grizzly bear country and so i mean we're a little bit close to our meat but what do you do right so yeah by the time we were done eating man i couldn't even roll over i was like a barrel <laughs> I had at least fucking 10 pounds of sheep meat in my belly. At least it felt like it. Yeah. And we had to put on every piece of clothing we packed in. We wore that night. I think it like took all of like an hour of trying to sleep. And then both of us were back in our packs, putting on every underlayer and every extra glove that we had. Cause it, it literally did got chilly. We didn't have our sleeping bags with us. We left them up on the top of the hill and, I think I, it was actually funny. I fell asleep a few times. Kurt telling me I was sliding down in front of him, blocking the heat. So he's freezing, shivering <laughs> in behind me. <laughs> yeah, we kind of both started. We had one of those uh, space blankets down on the ground just to kind of keep the that moisture come from the ground coming up, and that's kind of was making us cold. So we were sitting on that, and we were both kind of evenly spaced on the bank there above the fire. And, you know, you try to close your eyes and you can't get comfortable. There's a stick jamming in the back. And then Devin's slowly kind of sliding down, sliding down a little bit more than his feet are by my head. And, <laughs> and then he starts sawing logs. And, like, every time he would snore, I think it was a bear coming in. So I'd pop <laughs> up with the flashlight and be him just fucking snoring. And then he, by the end of it, he was snuggled up right next to the fire, and I was stuck behind him. And I, I just sat there wide awake all night, fucking watching the sun come up. Oh, well, that's that's what yeah. family's for, eh? It's a good sacrifice. Instead of kicking yeah. me in the fire, you let me sleep. Yeah, that's, that's what big yeah. cousins do, right? <laughs> Looking up for you. But yeah, to the clothes that we had on, like I had, uh, we rock a lot of kuyu get a pretty good price on it with the guide outfitters discount so like myself i had my kuyu down super down jacket two undershirts my rain jacket on top of that and then i had i ended up getting a good deal on those north face down pants they were last year's model or something i don't know they got got them for like 60 percent off so i had north face um I don't even know what fill they are, but they were warm. Those on, plus my attack pants, plus my rain pants and my boots, and a toque, and I was fucking yeah. cold. Yeah, I think I, I was basically the same, except for mine, yeah, Super Down Ultra, and I had, they don't even make them anymore, I had the Kuyu uh, Kinye insulated pant, which Kurt was probably jealous too, even though he had his down, he used to love those things, and he lost his, but... Uh, yeah, shivered most of the night. I think we'd wake up every half hour and put more wood on the fire and sleep for 10 minutes. And it was it was a pretty cool experience. As miserable as one night's bad night's sleep in the backcountry can be, I was never upset at any moment. I, I was still having fun. It was just one of those, the stars wrote, so it was really cold. But I, I remember that, and I think we'll remember that forever. Just that, you know, we might not ever have another experience like that. You don't know. We 
you know, whack something else, elk, sheep, whatever, we'd probably get back to the tent most most times. But, you know, it's pretty cool to to do that. You hear about those expedition trips where guys spend the night on, on rams or they, they spend the night before being successful. So I, I thought it was a, a really cool adventure to, to be a part of. And, yeah, you sleep uneasy in that grizz country. We're always checking. I was getting up with the headlamp when I'd get firewood and, and check that the game bags have the reflective strip on them so you could pick up that pretty easy in your light and but a, a really cool night either way uh, i still like it it was a fun yeah you know that's that's kind of story you tell your kids when when they're older right you oh me and your dumb uncle we, we slept, slept in a creek bottom there in grizzly country with blood all over us and the sheep hanging in a tree right next to us and you know, it was neat and, you know, it, I wouldn't say it was a miserable night, but it was cold and I, I never slept a wink and, you know, you start thinking, oh, fuck, maybe we should have went to the tent or this sucks or whatever. And then you look over and see that ram head hanging in the trees and, and you're like, yeah, it yeah, is worth totally. it. Totally. Yeah. No, it was good. So <clears throat> we woke up crack a day because we were awake. So it, I think we restoked the fire, warmed ourselves up a little bit and got some water filtered out of that mineral creek made some coffees then i think we did some oatmeal for breakfast and then made a plan to you know to get up there were still some sheep in the distance that uh kurt and i still wanted to maybe get a look at just in case they moved in close or there was a chance i had a tag in my pocket so the only play like would be a, a morning if we could get on them you know, right then in that early morning and make a play on, on something that was legal, we would have, would have tried that. We would have had enough time. It would have been a, a really tough pack out, but we were willing to, to maybe try to find me around at the same time. And, you know, we hiked up the, started hiking up the hill behind us, real steep hike, real slow, a um, little bit extra weight, you know, obviously. And we got halfway up the hill between our nighttime camp and where we laid all our gear up on the hill and and it was enough where we could glass up the rest of the ridges and and we took a rest and spent you know 45 minutes just peeling the ridges out and couldn't turn up any sheep but uh kind of cool we turned up some goats and they were inside a cave which and there was four of them jammed in this freaking cave like i don't even know how they even get to this thing but we've I think they were staying we figured it was going to be a sunny day they were staying out of the heat and they were in this cave and i thought that was a pretty neat thing to see yeah we should have got the phone scope and got a picture of that because like you'd see one one you could see real good it's kind of right at the entrance of this big round circle black circle in the rock wall and then you start watching all of a sudden you see another head pop up from behind him and then another head pop up behind him and another one you're like holy fuck there's a whole pack of them in that little tiny cave. It was, it was pretty neat. It was, you know, you wouldn't believe it unless you seen it kind of thing. Right. So it was, it was cool, man. Like I was, I was still flying high from the night before. So, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I was fully exhausted and a night with absolutely zero sleep. And then you wake up, you got a heavy pack and then you got to climb straight up out of that Creek bottom. <laughs> But we just picked our way through. We used that fat maps once again. Like that, I just well, I can't say enough about it. It it saved us a lot of fucking around out there, you know. So we picked our way up through the rocks and the alder and got up on that hog's back and yeah, we glassed along the way. And once we got up, we're like, okay, well, it was still pretty early. We're like, well, let's just fucking make a push and get back to the to the quad. You know, it, we I knew it was going to be a long, fucking grueling day. So yeah, we stopped. we we got we up there. Had, we had a nice break. Oh well, yeah, I had a break. Yeah, I was going to mention that. I wanted to talk about uh, what we <laughs> both pulled out of our packs for for lunch that day on our break. You can go ahead, but I just wanted to make sure you mentioned that. I thought that was I thought that was yeah. pretty cool. This was another unplanned, uh, pretty neat thing for us. I I thought I thought it was pretty neat. So. Yeah, well, we're uh, we're Ukrainian, come from a Ukrainian family, and our baba's borscht was the best thing going. So 
we pop up on that hog's back where our gear is and kick the boots off and it's sunny. It's going to be a beautiful day, which is bad because I was worried about the Cape. You know, we had it all salted and whatnot, but I haven't had nothing turned yet. So I was kind of worried about it slipping. So anyways, we get back to camp. Okay, we're going to have a good long lunch break here before we start trekking back to the quads. And I pull out of my backpack one of those Nomad uh, Borscht freeze-dried meals or whatever. I look over and Devin pulls the same fucking thing out. So, oh, coincidence, we got to get a picture of that. So we got a picture of that with a ram head in the back. And we sat down there and, yeah, I... I, I ate a ton of food, man. I was tired and, and exhausted, so I needed some energy. And so, yeah, once we put that back, we kind of glossed a little bit more and made sure that those rams from the day before weren't still sticking around. And then I said, fuck it. We loaded everything up, and once again, we used fat maps to kind of side hill our way. And, you know, there was cliffs above, cliffs below, and a little bit of timber in the middle. And we ended up kind of slipping through the timber and, I don't know if it was an elk trail or what we got on, but we got on a pretty good game trail that kind of just side-hilled the whole mountain and we ended up cutting off a pretty good chunk where I thought we were going to have to drop down into the creek valley bottom and kind of just bushwhack our way out. But we we cut off at least uh, an hour or two hours just taking that, that elk trail down. And, yeah, we had popped down in the valley and, you know, we ended up getting on a kind of a – remnants of an old horse trail back in the day and kind of i don't know how many hours you think it took for us to, to that, get out of there honestly the first start coming down like you're saying like finding that hogs back ridge better terrain that felt good i was like oh we made it to the you know the creek bottom that was pretty good that was supposed to be you know the rough part of the trip or the hike out and yeah it took us well to get right back, it took us six hours, seven, oh, maybe seven, seven eight. eight hours in the end from lunch. Yeah. Um, but like the valley bottom, like you said, that horse trail, I, I agree, was was good to pick away at. But it was surprising. Like you'd go along and you'd be walking through nice, like along the creek. And then you'd have a couple little meadows. But then all of a sudden you'd hit like a wall of brush. And that wall of brush was... 200 yards long and six feet tall and you can't see three feet into it and we you know you get that hair on the back of your neck type feeling you're packing meat out you're covered in blood you obviously stink and you've seen grizz sign in that country so it was pretty funny kurt and i would holler and sing songs and <laughs> i don't know if other guys do this we're just a bit uh <laughs> out there i guess but we you know, we were making noise. We were like, you know, we're not going to come face to face with a bear. At least let him know we're there. Yeah, we might still run into him, but hopefully we don't spook him. So that, that, I thought that was funny. We just, you know, we did it for a while. And then I think we both got tired and just kind of shut up and hiked for like an hour straight. Yeah, well, like I've had a couple, couple run-ins with grizzlies. I got charged back in the day and Ever since then, I don't fuck around when it comes to bears. Like, black bears don't bother me too much, but watching grizzly bears cover two or 300 yards in a matter of seconds, man, it just it, it blew my mind. So ever since then, I'm like, Kate, hey, I'm going to make sure I'm real safe, especially in the backcountry. As we're heading up that valley, the wind was in our face the whole time. So I'm like, fuck, we're going to pop through one of these big, thick, willowy patches, and there's going to be a fucking sow and cubs or something right there. So that's kind of why like if the wind was going you know in the same direction you're walking you don't got to worry about it I don't, as much because they're going to smell you they're going to get off the trail but if they can't smell you and all of a sudden you fucking pop out behind them and they're, they're it's fight or flight and for them most of the time it's fight so yeah we were just being goofy and silly but that was that was a long fucking day it was fat hot as balls that so as much <laughs> as we've been praising fat maps i swear to yeah. god it lied to us we you can grid on fat maps and it'll tell you kind of rough distance away and we have the quads pinned and you know we're like oh we're like two kilometers and we'd hike for an hour and then we'd check our gps and it'd be like two kilometers and we'd be like what the fuck 
And then we'd hike for an hour and it would say kilometer and a half. And we're like, there's no way we covered half a kilometer in an hour. Like, and it did that the entire way. And I, it's just because of the terrain. It just can't follow exactly where you're walking. And we get that. But those are like, the, you look at your phone. We don't even need to know because we know where we're walking. But I think you're looking at your phone and you're just hoping the distance is only small. It's just like one of those like little mental boosts where you're like, oh, yeah, we're covering good kilometers. My God, this phone was like discouraging to look at at the time. Yeah, that was that was the longest the last three hours was the longest three hours of the entire trip. Like it just felt and it was uphill, like just a slow, gradual uphill. And you're just fucking you're looking and you're like, OK, I feel like I'm getting closer. And then you look at the map, you're like, it tells me I haven't fucking moved yet. <laughs> and, you know, like my pack was probably when I was filled up with water, I was well over oh, 120 yeah, pounds. So and and Devin had a lot on too. Like he was packing half the meat, and basically the difference was the ram head between both our packs. But like fucking going on zero sleep, two days with no sleep, and then heavy packs out. You know, like I'm not gonna complain because I'll fucking do that all day. If it's worth it when you you're successful. But man, it was a grind. And then. You start hitting the timber again, you get out of some of those nice meadows and you hit the timber and you know you're close to the quad. And I'm like, it was everything mentally to lift my foot up and put it in front of me without fucking falling down. Like if it wasn't for them trekking poles, I fuck, I would have buckled a couple times. Like I was leaning on those fucking things. I'm surprised <laughs> I could hold my fat ass up. But, um, yeah, so we ended up getting back to the quad and, and, uh, we we kind of just we had our one quad camp down below and uh so we we left one quad with the trailer and one quad we took like i don't know 100 200 yards it just kind of elevation i don't know yeah. cheating i guess Getting a little bit of elevation out of it so we hit that quad we made two trips up going in and on the way back i'm like i ain't fucking making two trips so we had me and devin and both our backpacks loaded on that fucking quad and I had to you know, like, <laughs> I had to stand just up on the back, holding the two packs on or my pack on, and Christ dodging branches and limbs, and you're tired, and it it was all I could do. Or it was like trying to stay on a horse without a saddle. I'm like, fuck, like, but it felt good. Like we got yeah. back, yeah, I don't know, probably around seven thirty at night ish. I don't know, like, we didn't look, but that's just a guess because there was a bit of light left. You know, we. Got everything seemed sound. No one had messed with their stuff, and uh, got back to the Nomad trailer. Popped the lid, dumped the gear out, and our uh, cooler had a few, few brewskis in it. So that was nice to come to. Just a couple cold beers and one bottle of rye. So by the time we got settled in and kind of decided if we were eating dinner or not, because you know how it gets late like that, we maybe two celebratory drinks and got some water in us and kind of settled in and it, it didn't take yeah. long to convince us to, you know, go to bed. <laughs> yeah. I, we had some steaks, I think that night too. And so, yeah, we set the nomad up and yeah, we just like, I know when I got, when I got back to the trailer, I just laid on the fucking ground for probably 15 minutes, just laying there in the nice cool grass. And like, I, I couldn't even think about taking another step. I was absolutely begged, but, yeah, we got everything set up and and kind of relaxed. Had a couple beers, maybe even a whiskey. I can't can't. I don't know. I think we might have had a whiskey. But anyways, yeah, had a good night. Had a yeah, hell of a sleep. That was a good one. <laughs> and, yeah, slept in. And yeah, oh yeah. And well, we woke up to yeah, fucking kissing rain. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, we woke up, pissing rain, so breaking camp always sucks when it's raining out. But we just kind of took our time, pieced everything together, and, uh, yeah, got the quads and the trailer loaded. And we knew it was going to be a greasy trek home, so we just uh, took our time and, you know, we just 
yeah, took our time and we ended up, I don't know how many hours it was getting out, but it was less than going in. That's for yeah, it sure. wasn't as bad as, as we were anticipating. The, we were anticipating it to be really slick. I mean, it, it pissed rain for, for most of the day, but you know, we have good rain gear. We put it on, um, you know, ran that the whole time and just, just went slow with it. We didn't have a, a timeline to be out of there. So we didn't want to, you know, push anything too hard. There was no panic. um yeah so yeah we took our time and yeah like we said we just we had all day to get out so um it's gonna take a quick break here gotta take a quick piss so we'll be back shortly Welcome back after our uh, short pause there, just regrouping. Um, figured it was a good time to do a little uh, live ad plug since we're talking about quad and out. Um, we've been talking about the Nomad trailer a lot, and uh, if you guys want to check it out, it's just a, a great tool for helping people get into the backcountry and comfort and all your gear. So it's just a simple pull-behind walking beam aluminum tub trailer for behind your ATVs and UTVs coming to market pretty soon we're working on websites and design and but there is an instagram and a facebook page out there if people are interested just to see what it's all about um we're also posting pictures all over come out heavy instagram page so by all means get out there give it a like give it a follow stay tuned products to come and just get right back in it we were uh just talking about our quad ride out and we we're getting back yeah, later in the day, it was going good. Everything, no breakdowns, nothing. So Kurt and I made it successfully through some of the the shit and the mud. Christ, that mud in that country. We got into some of those back roads and just that layer. And and Kurt words it really well. He's got lots of good sayings for this shit, but he he called it loon shit. It's just that freaking greasy top layer on those northern roads and. Christ, our quads are sliding all over the place. The mud was packing so hard. The trailer tires were starting to touch. They were getting so big. Um, so we ended up having to like switch off. My quad starts overheating again. So Kurt piles on it and tries to get some RPM and speed going, spin that mud off. There was mud flying everywhere. We got pictures of it. We'll upload it on Instagram, man. We talking like hundreds of pounds of mud on the lid of that trailer the work covered it was it was pretty fun like for a couple country boys that used to like driving their trucks around in the mud i mean i'm not gonna say i wasn't like enjoying spinning out but it, it was it was pretty intense mud i've never been in that shit yeah it was chewing the fucking whole time and we went in like that when we went in it was dusty it was super dry it was actually pretty good coming out was like four by four mud bogging the entire way but yeah, when I switched and started pulling the trailer, I looked back and the tires were just skidding on top of that fucking layer. And I'm like, what the fuck? So, I so yeah, I had to drive the, the trailer into the willows on the sides of the road just to try to, to make it hook up a little bit to knock some of that fucking mud off. But we ended up getting back and we, uh, we got back to one of the roads there and we ran into this old old timer there on a quad. This guy had gun on the front, gun hanging off the back, two way radio mounted on his on his rack, and he looked like a little bowling ball on his looking on his quad. So he he sees us and he waves and sees the ram on the front of the the quad. And, oh, he he started getting excited. Oh, you guys got got one? Hey, you got lucky. And he had a thick thick heavy accent and. He must have been a Russian or something because he was pretty hard to understand. He said, yeah, I got told there was a white goat down on the road down here. I said, white goat? What the fuck? What's he talking about? Yeah, I'm, I'm out there hunting chickens, but I'm looking for this white goat. And <laughs> so, anyways, we, we chit-chatted with him for a couple minutes and we ended up, you know, carrying on to the truck and started thinking i'm like fucking chickens aren't even open right now i don't think and and i don't think goats are open either 
<laughs> There's always yeah. I don't think I don't think you can hunt white goat on road anyways. So even if you saw a white goat on road, that's the the new joke down here in the Kootenays. Every time we we have a goat trip now or we talk about goat hunting, it's always Vite the goat, and I think that's going to stick for a while. We'll probably even name a podcast episode Vite the goat, so stay tuned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty. You never know who you're going to run into in the bush. It was pretty funny. But anyways, back to the trip. We uh, we ended up getting back to the trucks, and you know it rained all fucking day. Everything was wet. There's we could barely get the lid of the Nomad open. There was so much fucking mud on top, and so anyways, we kind of scraped what we could off and you know, hooked up to the trailer again and loaded the quads and got everything strapped down, tied down, you know, got back to the highway. And once you're back in the truck and you're kind of heading back towards home, we, we weren't really sure what we were going to do because we, we banked on being gone for, you know, 10 to 14 days. And this was day four. So we're like, ah, fuck. Like I was, I was worried about the Cape. I really wanted to get the Cape and the meat into a freezer here just it was super hot out the day before and we salted the shit out of it but the the eyes and the nose and everything weren't turned yet so anyways i was in a bit of a panic to to get it in a deep freeze so we ended up working our way back to fort st john and the whole the whole time back we're you know we're bringing up stories and laughing about the trip and bullshit and then we started thinking wow should we head back in you know either go try to get back to the same place we were at or if there was any other option. So we're kind of looking at the maps and whatnot on the, the, you know, the however many hours it was to get back to Fort St. John and called my buddy that lives there. We ended up getting, he had some freezer space. So we ended up getting hiding the meat in a freezer and we got a hotel that night and had a nice hot shower and a nice hot meal and had a couple beers. And so we're, we, well, we took the truck to uh, the car wash and uh, the truck and the quads and the trailer. Fucking, I have a white truck and it was fucking brown when we rolled into Fort St. John. So we pull into this drive through truck fucking wash place and you see these kids, they see us pull in and he just started putting cones up. He's fucking, there was about a foot of mud in that entire thing when we got out of there. We didn't even put a dent on cleaning the quads off. We just kind of knocked the surface shit off. And those kids were yeah, rolling. Still that hour oh, fuck. It was probably a $50 fucking tab at the car wash there. And we were didn't even look like we washed it by the time we were done. So those kids, they've when they seen us roll in, there was a job to fucking clean it up. And they weren't too happy. But the one kid there, he rolled in, had the ram head down on the ground, pressure washing the mud off that. And, he come over there and started looking. Oh, that's a nice old ram, eh? We're like, oh yeah, you know, we we knew it was a good ram, but you know, being the first one, we we figured he was at least ten. You know, counted nine rings for sure, and then where he was broomed off, like he's got to be at least ten. So, anyways, I got the hotel that night, bullshitted, woke up the next day, and we still weren't really sure what we were gonna do, and. You know, we talked to a couple guys, guys I know that out of Fort St. John and we're just looking for other places because we knew that trail going in was going to be fucking greasy. It rained for two days straight. We looked at the forecast and it was supposed to rain for the next four days and like big time fucking like 10 millimeters each day. It was going to be fucking torrential downpour. So we start chatting with guys and they're like, wow. You know, you, there's this spot and this spot, and you know, moose were open in some areas and elk were open. And so, well, you know, sheep is kind of what we wanted to go for, and that's kind of where we got the the name of the episode there because the buddy there, he's like, basically, you can go fucking left off the highway anywhere, and and you're gonna be in sheep country. Yeah, he made us feel exactly like uh, any non-resident coming into a region asking the residents where to hunt. Yeah. You know, it's, I was like, oh, fuck, we asked the question that everyone doesn't want to hear. It's like, oh, yeah, where should we go to, to hunt sheep if we got four days? And then their answer was two of them sitting there holding the beer. Yeah, left off the highway. And we were like, all right, yeah, that's fucking good. Yeah. 
and had a giggle about that. And that, that really stuck with us. So now it's anytime we go that way, it's going to be left off the highway. Yeah. Anyone asks us where we went, well, I just left off the highway. Oh, yeah, yeah I'll, that's right. I'll just go fuck myself then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we ended up, uh, you know, I talked to Devin in the morning and, you know, kind of, it was, it was such a good trip and everything, you know, we made it out safe. We came out heavy. We, you know, we kind of did what we planned on doing and check engine lights were going on. Yeah. Check engine light on the truck came on, the quads were acting up. So the hunt was a, a full blown success and Devin kind of opted and, and said, well, it'd be shitty to fucking go back in and have a quad breakdown or a truck breakdown. And, you know, it, you, you just don't want to push your luck too far. So it's, I let him make the decision because it, it'd be him on the, on the gun after that for anything. So, you know, I didn't want to push him one direction or the other direction. And that's, that's the thing. Having a good hunting partner too is, you know, like everyone wants to pull the trigger and it's, it's tough if you take the time off and you, you go up and you don't have an opportunity to, to shoot something. It's, it sucks. I've been there a few times and, you know, it, I didn't want to say, no, we're going back. Like it's, it's your decision. I'm good either way. Right. You want to you know, touch on that at all, Dev? Yeah, no, it's a, I mean, you kind of nailed it there, but yeah, just having that good relationship where you would both go to the end of the earth to, to make it happen. If one of, one of us decided it was absolutely what we wanted to do. I knew you were in. If I was like, nope, we're going back. Put your sheep in the fucking freezer and let's go. You were in. And I knew that. But it just, we, like, it was one of those decisions. And it was the right decision. It was going to rain and our vehicles were starting to act up. Your quad died twice on the way out. Just randomly shut off. So, I mean, how how much do we really want to play? We got super lucky. And I had that feeling that it was going to be miserable for four or five days to try to get into some sheep country again with gear that had been you know, rode hard and, and all wet. That was the other thing. Like all of our gear was wet. Our clothes were wet. How are we going to get stuff dried? Like, no, it was a really tough decision because we're a long way north. We put in a, a ton of time, but how can you ask for anything else? I'm super pumped on that hunt. And you know what? It just makes us want to go even harder next August. So, I mean, we were basically he- decided to head home and Kurt talked to a few buddies uh, from that, not even from that country, just had been hunting in that country a lot and guided up that way. And and we wanted to get the, the CI inspection done sooner than later, just because it was easy. We both had time off right now and heard there was a good station in the, uh, what was it, Pooskoopy area, yeah. I think they call yeah. it. Is that how you say that? Um, yeah, Peter. You northern ones can correct us on that. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, we, we headed that way, so it, it, that was what we decided to do. We should touch on you should touch on our experience there. It was it was really good. Uh, yeah. So ended up we called a guy in Fort St. John, the CI guy, and just because we were spent the night there, and that guy wasn't doing it anymore. So we were like, okay, well, my buddy mentioned Peter in Pooskoopy, well, out of Dawson Creek or whatever, and i called him up and we were we already were turned heading home in the opposite direction and he ended up calling me back and he said yeah if you come right now i can do it so i ended up turning around and and heading to his place and you know we told him kate would be there in 45 minutes or whatever or an hour and we rolled in there and getting the the tag and the ram and everything out and and uh, I couldn't find the fucking incisor tooth. And my heart just sank. Like, I had it in there with the meat and in the bags. And so I, you know, we're in this guy's driveway and I ripped fucking everything apart. I had fucking my backpack spread on this guy's driveway. I had the quad boxes spread on the fucking driveway. We had the trailer and every bag in the trailer and totes and the truck, you name it. Everything that I brought up there was all laid out in this fucking dude's driveway. And he kept coming out checking. He's like, what the fuck are these idiots doing, right? 
So anyways, it's nowhere to be found. I don't know if it got lost in the transfer from the mountain to the quads or from the, the backpack to the quad or from the quad to the truck or in Fort St. John. I don't, I don't know. I couldn't find that fucking thing for the life of me. So we, anyways, we get in there and he uh, starts looking at the ram and he's like, whoa, that's a beauty. That's a just a nice old broomed off ram and, you know, kind of just chit-chatting and told him that was our, you know, our first ram we got. And he was, you know, he was, he, he sees lots of sheep coming in and out of there. And he said he likes those big old bruisers like that guy. And so anyways, he, uh, he aged it and he came back with 11 and we were kind of chit-chatting and he's like, you know, I, I probably would call him 12, but you never know just to be safe we'll we'll call him 11 so he had two years past where he was broomed off possibly three so we we knew that well we knew just looking at him that he was a tank and you know it it's good to have a little bit of reinforcement because <laughs> you just don't know right sometimes you're like oh fuck he's broomed off pretty far back but he's legal but he's, it's one of those things man you you don't till you get the paper in your hand and you know you're like okay hey, we knew we shot an old ram, but you know, when the feedback comes back that he's ancient, that's, it put a big smile on my face. And anyways, with the tooth, you know, he, he had to do his due diligence too. He had to call it in. And I talked to a CEO from Dawson Creek and told him, told him everything. And so they had to do a report on it. And I got called back last week actually. And, you know, he's, I got a warning and I told him, you know, I, I know better. I I had the tooth, and I don't know where it is. I got lost in the in the transit somewhere, and he said shit happens, you know. And I, I got off with a warning. I got lucky, and you know, next time I'm gonna stick that thing. I I don't know. I'll stick it in my cheek for the whole way out. I don't know, but no. I think next time we think the play is to leave the lower jaw. Yeah, yeah, for the little bit of weight. It's uh, not. The amount of weight it is i think when you do it and you know I, if we could touch on that briefly like not everyone out there has been in, involved in compulsory inspections and i actually you know was reading it again because we've been goat hunting a bit and you always have to get goat hunt if we get successful on one we always gotta take a goat in so with you know i was like i should i should brush up on my on my ci like what's what's needed so i, I kind of touch on that so for anyone who's listening that has never been involved in a hunt where you're going to be mandatory compulsory Man, it saves a lot of grief and a lot of time to just brush up on what you need to do and take it from us. We peeled that tooth out, stuffed it in a game bag or somewhere in our packs. We know we had it and it it turned up. We couldn't find it and we still haven't found it to this day. So I think if you need to take a tooth in, in a compulsory area, leave the lower jaw on. It's worth the weight. It's worth the hassle. It's not that heavy. So I think that's what we're going to do next time. Yeah, definitely because... You know, my heart sank when I couldn't find that fucking thing and kind of pissed me off too at the same time. But and regardless, it, it got CI'd. I had, I had to deal with the process after just dealing with that. And, you know, the uh, conservation officers were great. You know, they, he was understanding. And at the same time, he, he gave me a stern lecture and, and I appreciate it very much. But uh, to go further from there, we finished that loaded all our shit back in the truck and started heading for Quinell. And it was, uh, you know, another six hours back to town and we got back. I don't even know. I think it was midnight or something. It was a pretty long fucking day. A couple long days. Over. Yeah. You know, nothing better than rolling past the old green bridge and <laughs> the green bridge roll. And, uh, you know, you, you get into town and, you just thank God she's, we're home, it's over, we're successful. and Yeah, I couldn't really ask for a better trip. It was something I'll never forget. It was uh, it was pretty cool. Hey, David, any final recap? Yeah, no, I think that's your, your right on point there. You know, to try to kind of wrap this episode and, and these two episodes up here. And, yeah, it, we might never get a trip like that. We could sheep hunt for the next – 10 years now and not have those experiences. So just really thankful how well that went and how much fun we had. And honestly, like 
we both have the elk bug, but I feel like I did get some of the sheep bug. Now people talk about it after your first one, after your first big trip, all that experience. It's like August 1st, uh, we're already talking about it next year. We're like, okay, are, are we going earlier? Are we, we're doing it. Like I think Kurt and I are already in. So it was one of those trips. It's a trip of a lifetime, um, to be involved in. I mean, I'd feel just as successful. I mean, I'm as happy as anything. Like I'm, I didn't pull the trigger, but I felt like it was super cool hunting and pulling the triggers, just icing on the cake for Kurt there. Um, really neat for him. I'm definitely want to do it again. And I want to do it for probably many years to come. Um, yeah. I mean, the other things touch on here, just kind of final thoughts. Kurt and I were talking a little bit and like we said before, we'll probably do a little bit of a gear dump episode for you just to try to wrap a few thoughts up there but one takeaway that we both pulled from this and we're going to try to to see what we can do over this next year to learn this is when you go into a sheep hunt and both guys are holding tags and and you're able to potentially harvest a couple animals because you're hunting in that warm weather and, and you don't want the meat or the cape or any of that stuff to spoil you one tip of advice that we're going to look at trying to get is potentially learning how to cape the face out better. Cause I don't know if people know this, but when you're, you're dealing with mounts and those types of things, your hair can slip. So if you don't turn your nose, your ears and all your eyelids properly, and we don't know how to do that like a taxidermist does. And it just takes a lot of practice. So we're, we're determined to try to figure out a way that we can, you know, maybe spend one or two more days in the backcountry hunting, you know, a couple more rams. So that, that was one takeaway that we're going to push to is how, how we'd be able to achieve that. Um, is there anything there that you wanted to add to that? Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where like I've gone to, I got some taxidermist buddies and I've done it before with them. But if you're something that, you know, you can't just do it once every four or five years, one time, it's something that you got to, even if you shoot a buck or something and you're playing around, just kind of practice on it. And, you know, someone that knows how to do it, get them to show you or watch a tutorial. I'm sure YouTube's got it, but you know, it can, it can add a couple of days to your trip, you know, especially if you get lot pack your salt and you get it turned out nice, you can salt it and you got nothing to worry about. The, the biggest thing is getting that moisture and in, in the, the meat off the hide and, once it cures from that salt, you're good to go. So it's, you know, it could have extended our trip a couple of days. We could have stayed in there and maybe chased those other rams that we seen down that different drainage. And ultimately we ended up having to come out because of it. So yeah, that's, we never expected it to be the hunt to be done on day two, you know, and, and it, I mean, I'll take it every time, but it's sometimes it's just better if you can get two, three extra days out of it, you know, sooner or later, that thing's going to have to get frozen. But if you can extend your hunt a couple extra days, it's worth learning how to do. And that's definitely something that I'm going to try to, to do more of, uh, before next August. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, only other kind of major mistake we made, but luckily the, the Yeti prevailed. I wanted to touch on, we, going up we had pre-stocked the cooler with ice on a thursday and we're planning on getting ice for our cooler on uh on the way in and completely blanked and never stopped and refilled our cooler with ice but it still had frozen ice in it on the next thursday or wednesday that day so we lucked out luckily we had a good cooler and our yeti you know performed but we kind of messed up. We need to make sure we get our cooler stocked up with fresh ice next time. But uh, that's a, a small blip, nothing major. Yeah, well, that Yeti, it held true to its to its name because those steaks were still frozen, you know, four days later. And it was warm, you know. It, we had a couple of days of 26. So it definitely did, it, it did its job. But on that note, I think we're, uh, we're going to call it. This is yeah. The only, this has been the only thing I'd like to say too on a on a hunt like that, Kurt. I didn't know if, if you wanted to touch on it, but uh, before we completely close off, I wanted to uh, you know thank my my loving wife and and family for allowing me to 
venture off into the wilderness with you for a prolonged time like that. I know it's always hard on the family, so I just wanted to say thank you and appreciate everyone's support and patience for mine and yours passions and then the hunting season yeah you you uh you ended up missing your wife's birthday on this hunt so yeah it was it was either we go in the middle and you miss your wife's birthday or we go later and i miss my anniversary so either way one of us is gonna get in shit (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah definitely thanks to the the wives for uh putting up with this crazy obsession we have yeah it's i'm sure they have mixed thoughts on it but you know they they realize the passion that we have and like the love we have to do this kind of shit and i think they've just kind of learned to like it i guess i don't (laughs) i don't really know they just yeah i don't know if they like it they just deal with it yeah yeah that's that's part of us and even uh i'm sure christina does the same thing but i know my wife del and then i get a phone call from dev and she's like oh listen i'm i'm going to a different room i'm not listening to two idiots talk for an hour and a half so uh, yeah. well, it's good and yeah uh, thanks again to them so on that note, right. uh we're gonna wrap it up this has uh been left off the highway part two Come out heavy podcast and um, what's that little closing out tagline that you like to use? Hunt hard and yeah, hunt heavy. Yeah, hunt hard and come out heavy. Yeah, there you go. All right, <laughs> later, fuckers. Push.